Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, a two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. This is the Shining Brightly Show. Oh my God. I'm not sure I can get through this show. I have the most amazing mom and son, Ashley and Michael Kramer. And this is bringing back so many memories for me because Michael has cancer at a young onset age, and so did I. And I want you to hear this story. This story needs to be heard because it's a one of pain and hope. And I want this young man to grow up and take the world and set it on fire and bring his mom along for the ride too. Guys, Michael and Ashley, welcome. How are you today? Thank Good. you so much. You're already Good. making me cry. That's you okay. Crying's hard. allowed. Crying's Thanks. allowed. Thanks a lot. Good introduction. What Thank you. Intro. That was yeah. amazing. Well, I want you guys to do something for me because I have your bio, but this is more important to me because the caregiver patient, the mom and son relationship, it's unbreakable. And I have this with my mom and, and dad as well. Because at, at age 23, I ran home to mom and dad and they cared for me. And when you're immunosuppressed, like a boy in the bubble, you got to be careful. So I think we're going to do is we're going to do mom and son. He said, she said, I would like you, Michael, to start and please give me your mom's bio and um, and tell me about Ashley. Ashley Kramer is one of the strongest, smartest and most kind people on this earth. And she's not just an amazing caregiver, speaker, podcaster, youtuber everything she does she's just an amazing person and everyone that she comes in contact with is just falls in love with her you know she leads a caregiver support group and everyone raves about it she is just the best mother i could ever ask for and there's too much to be said about ashley kramer because her heart is just so big and now i am going to cry but first first i might cry too but first let me introduce you to michael reed kramer he's my middle kid he is now 22 years old this kid was a surfer he will tell you this a sailor he was on the olympic development team for windsurfing athletic amazing you know kid did beautifully in school But when he was in college, in his first year of college, I'm not going to go into his story. He was diagnosed with cancer. And out of that, I don't know, he was always a great kid, but he became this inspiration. And I am so blessed to be his mom. Plus the fact that as a 19-year-old, he was diagnosed at 19, he's been willing to uh, hang out with his mom. He's a really good rapper. He can play the guitar. Uh, he likes Legos and he is a beautiful speaker himself and he has a heart that is huge and he also leads 
the cancer support group for survivors, people going through cancer. And I am just the proudest mama ever. Well, you've been through a lot and um, it's uh, bonded you. And I'm sure you need your alone time too, um, as a 19 year old would want some of that, of course. But thank you for such a beautiful introduction of each other. It's, um, it's really amazing because uh, large uh, B cell lymphoma entered your life first. And I want you, Ashley, now, because you're also a widow and you lost your husband. Will you take us through that first start? Because it leads into your resilience story. And but you lost your husband. Can you start there, please? Yeah, I did. So in 2014, December, actually, my husband was just having back pain. And we literally thought, like, he went to do an MRI, we didn't think anything of it. And he was diagnosed with large B cell lymphoma, which is one of the more treatable cancers. I really believed when he was diagnosed, with all my heart, I believed that maybe it was just like something from God or the universe, whatever, like making us appreciate life more, giving us more perspective. And I really thought he's going to come through this and he's going to be better than ever. And instead, 17 months after diagnosis, he passed away. He was in hospice and he was at home. And like the beautiful thing was the three children and myself, we were actually with him like the moment he took his last breath, we were all hugging him, which is a blessing. Mm -hmm. And we were literally saying, you know, I love you when he took his last breath. But yeah, it was, it was a challenge. My kids at the time were, my daughter was 12, Michael was 14, my other son was 16. Um, and there I was, I, I really, at that time, what I, when he was going through chemo and everything, I felt like my biggest thing was let me take care of the kids. And I worked as much as I could to care of the kids. So Patrice could focus on healing. My husband's name was Patrice. And with Michael, it was a different story. It was more, I was with him 24 seven with my husband. Sometimes I felt like I was trying to take all the burden, the adult burdens off of him, but yeah, I was a widow at a young, at a young age. And it did teach us a lot. It brought us very close together. I feel like my kids didn't really go through the bad teenage years because we were so close. Not that they're perfect, but yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And Michael, you lost your dad. And um, what were you, how are you, as you your siblings? How, 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 how did you get through? So I was 14 when he passed away, about to turn 15. I turned 15 a week after he passed away, actually. So I was very, very young, but it was really shocking because cancer was one of those things that when I was 14, you just like started to understand what it was. Like when you were a kid, maybe you understood what cancer was. But then when you're 14 and you see your father get cancer and you see him go bald and you see him go get sick and it's just like really scary. And when he passed away, it was really devastating because ever since I was a young kid, my dad was this big, strong guy who kind of could do anything. You know, he was like, he was my father, you know, and he was the guy that would be kind of tough in the family and say the things to us that was like, oh, he's so strong and he was big and he was built and he was buff and he was just a cool guy. And, and then to see him get so weak physically and turn to this really skinny cancer patient, 
and then watch him pass away was just so devastating. And it really just brought us this light on how, you know, fragile life is. And seeing someone pass away at such a young age, not a lot of people see that. So we really yeah, had I was a, torn. We really had an appreciation for like my mom and everything she did and for our family members. And we were given this different perspective at a young age that we wouldn't have got otherwise, which of course I wish we didn't have to get that perspective, but it was a blessing in disguise, like you say sometimes, because it really made us closer. And my mom and I became like best friends after that happened. And again, it kind of set like the the tone for how when I got cancer that we were going to stick together no matter what. I just what wanted to add was right. was a that was a thing for me when he came home. Like I truly did not think he was going to die. And when they told us he had to go into hospice, I was shocked. And my mom, who's a beautiful human, was like, I don't think you should have him in hospice at home, maybe in a hospice center, because are you okay to have the kids watch him? Mm. And he he wanted to be at home. And so how could, you know, of course. But I was really grateful he was at home because as hard as it was to be with him in his last moments, it was it was beautiful and peaceful and even though they were young I think it was really important that they saw their father through till the end of his physical life even though we still feel like he's with us I'm telling you I'm telling you he is with you Um, in the cancer world unfortunately in the stage four specifically later stages we, we live with death people the cancer burden becomes too great it's not that they didn't want to keep living and they're called to heaven um, in the Jewish religion, I, I want to take a second and I just want to honor him. So in this world, you, you, you leave with nothing, okay? But you leave with your name and your memory. So there's a, a, a Jewish blessing that I'm going to just quickly recite right now in honoring him and honoring his memory. So we, we say, may Patricia, Patricia's name and memory be only for a blessing for all of those who knew and loved him. And I just, he heard that. Um, we're, we're talking to you now, Patrice, because uh, you'll never be forgotten. And that's that's the only thing your job is to just take him into your heart and mem- remember him and say his name. Those are the only two things you leave with. You don't even get 144 characters on your tombstone. You get loving dad and, and husband. So um, I wanted to honor him for that um, for, for that uh, now. Now, things you're, you're trying to repair from not, you know, growing up without your dad and um, you're surfing, you're doing well, you get into school. Um, and t- now let's transition, um, Michael, I'm not sure, Ashley, who wants to start, but transition into your story now of, uh, how you got diagnosed. Yeah. So like you said, went through high school and then I started college and we're home from COVID COVID hit Miami, hit Florida. And we were, I was home. I remember I started to feel pretty tired. It was like March of 2020. And that's when it was really big, the pandemic. And it was just like, boom, everything was shut down. And I was just tired, like I said. And for a few months, that exhaustion and tiredness dragged on. But of course, we were still in lockdown, wasn't in school, wasn't in the gym, wasn't surfing, beaches were closed. And again, I blamed it on that. I thought, whatever, maybe I'm a little depressed. It's been kind of tough. We're home, not doing much. And then all of a sudden, I started to get these night sweats. And I thought, okay, well, it's almost summer. It's pretty hot. It makes sense. And the night sweats kept going on and on and on. And eventually, one of the beaches in North Florida opened up. So my friends and I went and we went surfing in the beach called New Smyrna Beach. I came back home. I felt really good because like, oh, I went surfing. I feel so good. 
And then a week later, I started to get fevers. And that's when we knew something was wrong. So my mom and I decided to call my family a pediatrician with this lady we've been seeing like my whole life. I mean, I was 19. She saw us over 21. She's a family doctor. She still calls me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Basically, I saw her over telehealth Zoom at first. Yep. And she was like, oh, you, you seem fine. But if you want, you can come in for some blood work. So I came in for some blood work. And I went back home that day. And a few days later, she called my mom. And my mom called me. And my mom was like, we have to go to see a blood specialist at Nicholas Children's Hospital. And I wasn't thinking anything. At this point, we thought I was anemic. You know, Definitely. I thought, I- I'm a vegan. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm not giving him enough red meat. <laughs> but, and also, you know, when she said to me, I want you to see, I want you to see this friend of mine. He's a blood specialist. And she was like, he's a good friend of mine. So the fact that she said that at Nicholas Children's Hospital, I didn't think, oh, it's serious. We're going to the hospital. She's like, he's a good friend of mine. I think you should go see him. He's a great guy, great doctor. So I was like, okay. So I call Michael up. I'm like, oh my gosh, they got us an appointment today, the same day. She gets the blood work back and we can go see him. Great. We're going to find out what's wrong with you. Cancer. I don't know what we, neither one of us that didn't enter our mind. Uh, so I, just to give you some relatable here is that I'm now 23 and a half years old. I'm driving out to Dayton, Ohio for a big promotion as a national director of NCR Corporation. And I have a little red bump on my cheek and I get out and Michael, you, you might not have ever used a payphone, but I got out and used the payphone to call my mom <laughs> and say, uh, you know, that there's something there. And I'm, I, I'm looking in the rear view mirror and I keep seeing it. And it got bigger. And then she came out to set up my apartment. I flew back to Boston. This is this is 1989. We had no cell phones, no computer. There was no telemedicine. You know, this is analog days. You know, uh, computer use was just starting. And eventually it grew out. So I actually had a symbol there. If that didn't come out, I would have died. It came out. And I knew there was something wrong. But I thought it was a cyst. And it right. took them many weeks to figure out what I had. And until I actually got the word that I was going to Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, I didn't even think about cancer at all. And my dad had to get a book on cancer because we didn't have any experience. I didn't know anything. So uh, deer in the headlights just just stops you in the tracks. And that's what I wanted to say as a point of emphasis is that you had no idea what you were walking into. It just bang, smacks you, and it stops everything right then and there. So. All right, continue. Let's we go get blood, and and now we're figuring this thing out now. Yeah, so I went to the doctor. We went to the doctor's office. Just wasn't thinking anything. I remember sitting there, looking around, not noticing anyone that had like I don't know how I didn't notice. I was in an oncology office. I mean, it's hematology, oncology. But we were thinking hematology. I don't know. I wasn't thinking anything, and we were basically in a cancer office, and. Get the blood work done. The doctor is super, really, he's a really nice guy. So nice. He's so nice. And he tells me, do you want to spend the night in the hospital and do a bone marrow biopsy tomorrow morning? And I was like, you're crazy. I'm not spending the night in the hospital. He never spent the night in the hospital. So we come back the next day to do the biopsy. And I remember I was just nervous to go under anesthesia because they did it under anesthesia at the children's hospital. Yeah. And we were waking up from the anesthesia and the doctor, wa- and the first thing is the doctor walks in and of course he looks at the biopsy and tells me I have leukemia slash lymphoma. And uh, from there, it's just like a blur. I'm just getting taken to the sixth floor of the hospital. Right. I got a port place in the next day and they said I was going to start chemotherapy right away, but 
Instead, my mom and I always spent a week in the hospital together because they couldn't figure out my official diagnosis. So it was so rare. They thought initially I just had, oh, it's blood cancer. So it's either going to be leukemia or lymphoma and it'll be diagnosed within 24 hours. They were really, they were like, maybe it's AML, maybe it's ALL. Depending on those two, we'll see what your chemo protocol will be. And we talked- So so hold on, Tashi. For those listening- a bone marrow aspirate, and I've had a number of those too. Um, I didn't have them with any anesthesia except for numbing the skin. Really freaking painful. That's a needle into the bone, and then it's a needle expunging the actual bone marrow out of the bone. Both of those hurt like a mother. <laughs> they really hurt. Um, so I'm glad they did it under anesthesia for you. For, for you. The second thing is that um, ALL, ML, they're forms of leukemia. Okay, and they just have different names. So my non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, that's blood cancer of the lymphatic system. But yours, I have to tell you, until I met you, never heard of it. Because there, there, there's less than 200 documented cases. And there's only a handful of survivors. Um, the only, There is no protocol. You know how every cancer has a protocol. There is right. there is no key. Like the... The few survivors that we have come in contact with, there's there's two others that I'm in touch with, had different chemos than Michael, but the two that we know both went through bone marrow transplants mm-hmm. and are still alive today. Um, one of them is three years out. One of them is, I think, five years out. So, you know, it's it. it they asked us when they told when they finally figured it, it took three weeks to figure out. You know, I'm going to tell you really quickly. The pathologist at Nicholas Children's Hospital actually saw it was a woman. She we found out this after she diagnosed him with with hepatosplenic T cell lymphoma right away mm-hmm. within like 24 hours. But she said to the oncologist, "Please get second, third, fourth opinions because I've never actually seen it. I've only seen it in the textbooks, and I don't want to be wrong." So right. diagnosed, but then said. Try, get other pathologists to agree with me because I, I, I've I never seen this before. How is it possible that this yeah. nightmare has it? So they really, it took them three weeks because they ended up getting five other opinions from five other hospitals around the country and they all agreed. So those three weeks though were a little bit of torture because he, you know, he told us within 24 to 48 hours, we'll have your diagnosis and start chemo. And it was 24 hours He's like, we'll figure it out soon, 48 hours. And then finally, after a week, he did start Michael on uh, a steroid called dexamethasone because he said all blood cancers usually end up, this is somewhere in the protocol. And he's like, maybe this will at least stop it from getting worse. I swear he saved Michael's life by starting him on dexamethasone because the majority of people that are diagnosed with this cancer end up passing away before they get diagnosed. Right, of course. So I, 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 I that the pain that that agony of not knowing. My parents lost a ton of weight. Again, this is no cell phones. This is busy signals, and I was off doing my thing because I felt good, except for this big red bump that was getting to be purple as a golf ball. Um, I wanted to ask you um, and uh, something, Michael. And, and again, uh, this is something that I got very lucky on. I was coming in to do chemotherapy in October of uh, 1989, my first one scared just didn't sleep at all and i tested my blood test and they came back and said my um basically my liver function was too high well my liver function was too high they're not doing chemo today and i was like what are we going to do you just told me i have you know six months to live or less three to six months and my doctor eric rubin 
said, we're going on a field trip today. We're going to the cryogenic center. And I was like, cryo, what? what, what is that? He goes, it's the sperm bank. And um, I want to tell you that, that the, the fact that he did that then in 1989 was quite rare, although they're doing it. And it's still sometimes they don't talk about it now. What, did they talk to you about um, yeah. fertility and preservation? Because that was a very rare thing. And the, the bonus is Miracle 2, you know, Miracle 1, my twin sister saved me from a bone marrow transplant. And I showed you guys, this is the bag of life. Miracle too is that frozen sperm 11 years later gave me a beautiful, healthy daughter, Emily, who just graduated University of Michigan as a TV reporter in Montana now. So I, I, I want to hear the, a little bit about that story, about how they talked to you. Yeah, I mean, it was just, hey, chemo can make you infertile. So here is a little specimen, whatever you call it, not bag, a little specimen mm -hmm. bottle. A little bottle. little bottle, yeah, yeah. Yep. need you to ejaculate in it, and yeah, we're going to send them no they asked they first asked or would you like to present i don't i don't even remember he doesn't remember of course you don't I was, remember. it's in so much i don't remember exactly what happened i just remember getting a little thing here exactly yeah. and it we're gonna yeah. freeze your maybe you'll have kids one day yeah but that was pretty much how it went well first of all i'm really glad they did because now you have a choice listen yeah. you could always adopt or actually have surrogacy but you now at the right time, you will have a choice like I did. And I just wish that upon you um, because I thought that was taken away from me as well. And many cancer patients, young onset cancer patients, that is taken away from them. They just go right into treatment and they can't. Or if they're too young, you know, below puberty age, they're not worried about that. They want to save your life. And I was not thinking about that either. I basically did it just like you. I don't even remember it. I went there, you know, and then I don't even really remember anything else after that but i then i got it then we get a bill and i pay for it but when when i'm married and my wife says you know what you know we're, we want to have a family together and we were living in silicon valley at the time um what a, what a blessing to be able to do that um and have a healthy baby and and be able to become a dad um i i wish that upon you on the right circumstances uh if you can so thank you for sharing that and i'm really glad the the, the blessing and the genius of your doctors and more doctors to actually uh, talk about fertility and all that. So I want to talk now a little bit about some symptoms, and then we're going to talk about what you guys are doing currently. But you've had a rough go um, after transplant. And, and did you do your own cells or did you get a donor? No, if I had my own cells, I wouldn't have had a rough go because that would have meant I wouldn't have been able to get graft versus host disease. So I had but a... you also wouldn't have survived. Yeah. So you I... might not have lived, right, if you did your own, right? No, I so definitely you... wouldn't. So you have you you had a donor match, yeah, a hundred percent match from Germany. Ten out of ten gave wow. me his stem cells, and right away, I mean, I got engraftment syndrome, which was brutal. I mean, that gave me so much swelling to my heart and lungs. I almost passed away one night, and I had so many hallucinations. It was, it was crazy. Just right off the bat, the stem cell transplant was just like fighting my body. And then a few weeks later, I had these identical rashes on my my thighs and my arms, which were graft-versus-host disease of the skin, mm -hmm. which basically meant that it was rejecting my body. was The donor stem cells were rejecting my body and just fighting it. And then I developed liver GVHD, GI GVHD, and now I have chronic GVHD. And it's been like this whole thing. That, and now I live with it. It's like a sec It's basically like a second cancer. It's probably it's even it's even worse than cancer, honestly. GVHD. It's at points, it's really horrible. 
what I live with. And I'm still in treatment. I do a treatment called extracorporeal photophoresis, which sounds very confusing. But what they do is they access my port, this double port with two needles and hook me up to this machine. And the machine takes out my blood, separates the white blood cells, weakens them and returns it to me. I'll do that twice a week. And the whole idea is to calm down my overactive immune system, which is what GVHC is. It's kind of like an insane, like autoimmune disease. Like it just goes crazy and attacks all part of your all parts of your body. And you're doing that twice a week still. Yeah. Okay. And and for the foreseeable future, you'll do it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll be reduced, and eventually I can get off of it. But as of now, it's that plus immunosuppressants. So it's still like, you know, a full-time thing, the whole being in the hospital. and. What was, your, what was your transplant date? October 27th of 2020. Yeah, notice how we remember that. Mine was May 24th, uh, uh, 1990. I did have some graft-versus-host disease. My twin sister was a 1 in 25,000 chance of being a match, but I was a 10 for 10 HLA match as well. And they said because she was woman and, and, and we had enough the same, but I still had some, but I only had pink skin. I turned like the pink Panther for a short time and I was itchy, but um, they were monitoring me. And, and, and that's not what you've been through. You've been through a lot worse right now and, and still kind of, you know, chugging along through that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, graft versus host is your friend, but also not your friend when you take someone else's, you know, bone marrow or, or even like someone when they actually have a kidney or a heart. I mean, the, that's not normal. The body wants to fight that. Yeah. Normally. They don't want to accept it. Um, so, but it's gotten you here. You're still dealing with uh, some of yeah. these after effects, but, yeah. but man, you look like a great looking surfer and, uh, you know, uh, windsurfer to me, but this is all good. I, I want to take the um, next, you know, five or six minutes of the show here and be able to um, talk about what you've learned, talk about what you're doing. Um, and, um, and then talk about, you know, some of your, hopes for the for the future um i i you know getting cancer for the second time for me i i put things in a lot shorter time cycle um, i wasn't thinking i about getting uh for long term i was thinking about a couple years seeing my daughter graduate high school a couple more years seeing her graduate college and now that i'm going to be four years uh ned no evidence of disease in september 20th you know what i'm putting it out there that i'm i'm gonna walk her down the aisle at the right time and so um, I know we live in short cycles, okay, because yeah. we don't take anything for granted. So um, I want both of you to tell me, um, bring me up, bring bring our audience up to speed as to um, what you're doing, how you feel, anything you want, and um, and 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 some of the things that uh, some of your hopes. So what we're doing is we are Michael and Mom taught cancer and. As you guys have heard, and as you know, we're still in the hospital a little bit, but I think that we just want to spread our message of love and hope around the world and help as many people as as we can. You know, it's been one crazy journey, and there's been a lot that we have gone through together, and if there's one thing that we've learned, it's just to love and appreciate life, and that life can be taken away from you at any moment you know and so can someone you love so it's just about really loving the people around you being grateful for what you have and living to the fullest because if i could go back you know to when i was healthy 
and have the perspective that I had now, I mean, the things I would do, I would be so much more grateful for them and so much more appreciative. And that's really everything. It's just perspective. And that's all, that's all we're about here is perspective. What, what happened was in 2021, so Michael had his stem cell transplant October 27th of 2020. When he started getting the chronic graft-versus-host disease, we were like, you know what? This gives us a lot of purpose. This gives us more time, though, in the hospital. We were in the hospital a lot at that time. He was in and out, like, admitted, not even just for the day. Like, he would be admitted for weeks at a time. And we said, you know what? Let's, we have to do something with this time that's productive and valuable. So we started the podcast. And when we started, we were, we had such a, I mean, we were together anyway, all the time, but we had such a great connection. And then we started doing like rap videos together. And we just, we just realized that the more, because we have felt so much support at the very beginning of this journey, one of the first Instagram posts I did was I remember saying, wow, I'm an opt, I am an optimist. And I always felt people are so good. But when this happened to Michael, the outpouring of love was it, 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 even me, this optimist, it blew my mind about how people were so good and gave us so much love and support. And the people at the hospital and the nurses and the doctors and the, the people that cleaned the room and the God, like we have felt so much love. And it's been so reciprocal. And I think it's been a great lesson on connection and how, how important connection is. I don't know if you know about that Harvard study that came out recently talking about connection. That's like one of the, like the most important things with longevity and health and happiness is connection. I think that has been huge for us. We've had a connection together plus with other people. And it is true what Michael said, like perspective is so big. It just gives you so much more perspective on life. And such a purpose. I feel like we've had such a purpose. I'm so grateful that as a 19-year-old, now he's 22, but he is, I don't want to say, yes, he's embraced this journey because that's a hard age too, to share your vulnerability so much, you know, and I think we just feel like if we're going through this, we want to make it matter and it's given us, and and we are still in the hospital. I can't go back to my full-time job. And so we're like, well, let's take something and make something out of this. And it's, we've touched, like so many people touch us and we just want to give it back to, it's given a great purpose for us. I, I know what those days in and out of the hospital, I had 120 blood transfusions and platelets and thinking yes. back now 33 years and, and then having it lightning strike again with stage four cancer at age 50 and now getting through it even, um, I, I, I hear you and I feel it uh, much. And, you know, we, we have a mantra in the cancer world, um, at least in the men's group that I'm in, called KFG. And KFG stands for keep effing going because you oh. don't have any other choice. You don't yes. have any other choice. And so we say that mantra. We don't take it for, for granted. There are bad days and then you have your good days and you maximize your, 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 your good days. But, Michael, I think it's so important. Okay, I, I mentored a, a, a young man named Christian who had uh, leukemia. When I was, uh, you know, in the hospital at age 23, he did not make it, um, but I knew him for a year. But we were always in the hospital, our, you know, uh, both moms would go out for a cigarette, you know, uh, you know, because they had so much stress being a caregiver. But I think your message to and, and the support group that you lead for young onset is so important um, because your teenage years just got cut short a little bit and now you're getting some of it back. And so 
Um, it's so, so important. And then also for you, Ashley, um, being a mom, being a caregiver, you have two other children here that are, are helping and supporting you as well. And you have to see how they're doing. Yes. Okay? Because that's the thing in cancer too, for me, is that we, no one was asking my daughter how she was doing. How's your dad? How's your dad? How's your dad? How's your dad? Your dad's going to die. Uh, and we forgot about her a little bit. Not, we didn't forget about her, but she, she was dealing with such an intensity. She actually is taking her now to kind of deal with it. And get some support for that and help and all that. And here's my my three things. One, you have to be selfish. In your time of need, accept help. Two, if you can't find help, help can be provided for you. All right. And um, you you need to be able to do that. And so I, I mentor over the Immerman Angels, mostly men, but I've had some women that have stage four colon cancer because I'm five steps ahead. And so, Michael, I, I look at you as like a little brother. Okay. And I, we're, we're bonded now for life because of, uh, of your experience and, and now our, our, our friendship. And um, I, I just want to tell you that you've touched me because I, I, I don't want anyone to walk in the steps that we've had to do. It's just horrible. And for you, Ashley, you're an angel on this earth, just like my wife, Lisa, just like my parents. You are an angel because of your dedication and your ability to do this and now using your voice to share with others. So um, I want to, we're going to put on my sunglasses now for those that are just listening. We are in the shining brightly spotlight. And I would like you both to one, tell how people can get in touch with you, you know, your website, your social channels. And then I'd like you each to give a final comment and then throw the show back to me. Do I put my sunglasses on? Oh yeah. All right. You got to be, have, you got to wear shades. So shining, so brightly. It's shining brightly with love. So we got a beer shade. So go ahead. Tell us how they uh, get in touch with you. You can go to www.michaelandmomtalkcancer.com or go to our Instagram at Michael Reed Kramer, M-I-C-H-I-L-R-E-I-D-C-R-A-M-E-R or Ashley Kramer. A-S-H-L-E-E-C-R-A-M-E-R. Yes. Or you can email us. Yeah. My email is michaelreedkramer at gmail.com, the same as my Instagram and yours. So it's complicated. Ashley Prouty Kramer, A-S-H-L-E-E-P-R-O-U-T-Y-C-R-A-M-E-R at Gmail. Oh my goodness. It'll be in the show notes and it'll be actually in the, uh, on, on the, um, the links for the uh, social media posts. So don't worry. Uh, we're also going to get that Harvard article about connect. Uh, yes. We're going to post that in there as well. So don't worry about it. And I just took a beautiful screenshot of us uh, with the shades on that we'll post yeah. as well. Um, so, all right, wrap up the show. Give me some of your final thoughts that you'd like to share. You or me. You go first. I need okay. a second to think about this. I I have to take these off because I have to. Yeah. Okay. We're good. We're good. Yeah. I love I love the sunglasses though. Yeah. Final thoughts. I think that love, love is huge. People have asked me a lot of in a lot of interviews. Do you hate cancer? Are you angry at cancer? Because it is definitely took away my husband, took away a lot from a lot of things. It looks like, but I don't hate cancer. Because I think wasting your time on hate and anger doesn't help anything at all. I think love has been what has healed us the most. We always say that there's a four-letter word for cancer, and it's not the F word. It's not anything else. Our four-letter word has been love. And I really believe that with all my heart. We've had so much love, and I think giving love, I think it's 
you know, a reason Michael's still here. We have, I feel like we have my husband's love with us as well. And I think exactly what you said, I want to reinforce what you said, especially for caregivers. Of course, we cannot know everything what, that you went through, that he went through, my son, but he's still going through. I can't understand everything. Just like, but I think for caregivers, they have their own pain and they need their own support as well. So I encourage caregivers, you know, that I, I know I've said this before, Michael's heard me say it, when the oxygen mask comes down, they always say, put it on yourself and then your child. No caregiver is going to do that. Every single caregiver is going to put it on their child or the first thing that, okay, put it on them first, but don't forget to put it on yourself too. That's, that's my advice. Beautiful. Well, my message is, so at 22 years old, I have osteoporosis. My bones are very hollow. I have a vascular necrosis. Basically, meaning I can't lift weights, work out, or do really any physical activity. And because of my graft versus host disease, I'm basically allergic to the sun. So I can't really work out. I can't really surf. I can't do any of those things physically. I can't really travel. I can't go on vacation. There is no vacation. And for all the people out there who can work a job, who can go on vacation, who can work out, and who can do things that, you know, normal people can do. Just appreciate that because there's a lot of people out there who are similar to me and in my shoes and have been affected from that secondary effects of cancer and can't do those things. So my message is if you can do those things, just be grateful because sometimes we wish we wish we were millionaires, didn't have to work and can do whatever we wanted. But in my point of view, the people who are healthy and can do those little things that I wish I could do are the millionaires and the richest people. So just take that into perspective. I love it. And I'm going to add um, another four-letter word to your love. And it's, I, I talk about resiliency, and you both have it. I'm going to talk about the four-letter word called hope. Yes, hope. Without hope, you don't have, you do not have the fuel, okay? Love, love is, that's just automatic. But it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to live in that darkness. And, um, you know, we discussed the title of the show, There Is No Why. I want to just thank you um, for, for sharing. Um, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, you know, this just touch off a lot of feelings for you. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, Michael, you're going to power through it. You are going to be this amazing international award-winning keynote speaker because you have so much to say, and I'm going to help you. Um, we're going to get you there. And, um, I just want to tell you, I really am sending a lot of love and appreciation for you to come and use your voice with me today. For those, this is the Shining Brightly Show. You can get me at shiningbrightly.com. My book, my podcast, speaking, and my advocacy are all there. And if we choose to shine brightly just a little bit each day for ourselves, for others, and for our communities, the world will be a better place. And thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you you shine so, so brightly, Howard. You just radiate. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.